together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're doing here uh, in our church and in our lives. And uh, Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Um, We want more of the kingdom of heaven at hand. Um, We want to push against the world and the enemies that seek to tear down the kingdom of God. And we want to be a part of the powerful work that you're doing. Lord, there's many who have needs. We all have needs. And you promised to help us in our time of need to be an ever-present presence in our need and to meet our needs. And we ask that you would meet them, Jesus. We come to you today and we lay them before you. Help us, give us a strength in the midst of temptation. Deliver us from the enemy. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We started um, this new series last week called uh, Giving Up Religion for Lent. And really what we're doing is, it's, it's supposed to be a bit of a clever name, but the idea is like we're looking at these stories that... Um, that it's really easy for us to take like religious things, religious beliefs, ideologies, um, take the Bible, the stories of the Bible, and sort of turn them into mechanisms that that justify. That like um, we look at the things that the Bible says to do and we feel like, boy, if I do those, then it, it, it justifies or it fixes me. And the Pharisees, and we started to look at this last week, were really good at this, like looking to things to justify. Um, In essence, to work hard to save oneself. And Jesus just sees right through it. And there's all these interactions that, that we're looking at together. Last week we looked at Jesus calling a tax collector to be his disciple, which was just crazy and upside down. And yet it was like powerful in its, in its messaging. And today we're going to talk about an interaction he has um, with the Pharisees about Sabbath. And I think well, no better day than to talk about Sabbath rest than when we're all tired and having lost an hour of sleep last night. It's maybe not a coincidence. But Sabbath, literally the word means to rest, to stop. To just let go. And I wonder just how many of you here this morning just need to say, like, I'm done with this. I need to stop this. How many of you this morning just need a moment, like, of just peace, of rest? Like, you're tired. And you've tried napping, and it just, you know, you're still tired. You've tried the vacation, and you still feel tired. Like, there's something in you that there's, there's a, there's a, deeper sense of rest that like your spirit needs. Not just your body, but like your spirit, your heart. And I want to invite you to just tell Jesus that's where you're at. Because I think the sad reality is like a lot of us don't even have the margin to reflect on that stuff. Like a lot of us don't even have the the margin to reflect on like what, what do I need right now? What does my soul need right now? Like, what do I need to say no to right now? Instead, we're just going. We're going. We're saying yes. We're saying yes. Like, I had somebody reach out to me, and they go, can we get dinner with, like, you and your wife? We're, we're interested in the church. 
And this was like over a month ago. And I'm like, yes, of course. So we start, when, when will it work for you? We went back and forth, and it was six weeks out from when it worked for both of us to have dinner. And I'm like, is that not problematic? Like if getting together to eat, which is something I like to do every day, you know, getting together to do something that I do every single day anyways, finding a time to do that takes a month and a half to coordinate our schedules. Like might that be a symptom of something that's like hurting, that's like unhealthy and destructive. You see, Sabbath is like this gift that God has given. And when you look all the way back at the beginning of, of creation, God works six days creating, and then he takes the seventh day, and he what? He rests. And when God gives his people, Israel, this law, the law of God, the Torah, like he, he's giving them a way of life that creates margin. That is, is not just this set of rules that is meant to, be, meant to be followed, but more like here's a way of life. And, you know, one of the things that's been helpful for me in understanding the law, because if you start to dig into books like Deuteronomy and Leviticus, it gets really intense really quick. You're like, what is going on here? This is weird and all this different stuff. And for us, yeah, we don't understand it. But when you think like what it meant for those people at the time, this was a group of people that for generations had been slaves. And when you're a slave, your, like, your identity as anything good, like that you have any u- uniqueness, like any way of life that, that is healthy, like all that stuff has been robbed. Like it's been taken away from you. And for generations, the Israelites have lived as people who have no identity except like un- we are under the burden of Pharaoh. And we don't get to make any choices. Like, we do what he says. If we don't do it, we die. Like, it's pure survival mode for generations. And then God frees them. And these people are like, what, like, what am I to do with my freedom? I, you know, they had no idea how to live except how to live as a slave. And God gives them the law not to burden them more. These are burdened people. For generations, they'd been burdened by Pharaoh. He doesn't give them the law just to stick it to them, to further burden them. He goes, no, here's a way of life. Here's how to live. And there's all sorts of things like, here's how to live a clean, like, clean way. Like, how to be clean. How to take care of yourself. But then also, how to create margin, like, because they knew how to work, because that's what their identity was. You work, work, work till you die. And that's not healthy. And God recognizes that and says, I need you to observe a day of Sabbath, ceasing from regular work that you do the rest of the six days. Stop. Press pause. Rest. Reflect. See, the problem is we get so busy and uh, that we leave little to no margin for God. And the, the scary thing is you can do really good things, uh, even work of the church, without 
the presence of God. And I, I, I guess I, I'll ask you, like, again, what needs to stop in your life? Where, where do you need margin in your life? Where, where have you maybe pushed God out? I don't think our world is going to make it any easier for us. In fact, it's getting harder and harder with schedules. And that means as the world pushes more and more stuff, as the world celebrates uh, busyness more uh, and more, as we work hard to sort of shape our identities in what we do and what we uh, accomplish, we have to push back. We have to push back so we, so we don't push God out. And that means you're going to have to say no to some stuff. So you can have space and margin to have rest, soulful rest, intimacy with God. So Matthew 12, 1 through 14, I want to read for you. It says this, At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read the law, in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So this is, without kind of some context here, you're like, what is going on here? Jesus is walking with his disciples through these grain fields, and the disciples are hungry, and they're picking the grain, and they're eating them. And it just so happens the Pharisees are in distance to notice this stuff. Like, the truth is they're probably trailing Jesus just to try to cap, like, capture, like, to try to just capture a moment where he's breaking the law. And here they're like, oh, we got him. He's breaking the Sabbath. Sabbath is meant for rest. This does not fit into Sabbath law. And so here's one of the things you have to understand, because Jesus actually says, you're condemning the innocent. In other words, they are not guilty. My disciples are not guilty of breaking the Sabbath. And why is that? Well, you have the law, which is in the Torah. This is the, the law that was given by God. And then you have rabbinical law. And stay with me for a second, but it's important that we know this. So rabbinical law were, were things that were interpretations of the Torah that rabbis would make. And so they would read the Torah and then they, they would interpret what that meant and then they would, they would write what their interpretations were, and it, it over time created rabbinical law. And a lot of this happened in the intertestament time, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Sabbath was one that um, rabbis over time took and completely turned it into something that God originally didn't create it to be. 
They started to, in defining work, in interpreting what God meant of do not work, they went really, really far. One, um, so the Talmud is, is the, the sort of written rabbinical laws. And in it are 24 chapters of Sabbath laws, added Sabbath laws. This is not in the Bible. This is stuff that was added as interpretation to Sabbath. I read that one, uh, one rabbi spent two and a half years trying to understand one of those chapters. Just one. So if you extrapolate that, we're talking about a lifetime of just one man trying to figure out the stuff that he was supposed to do and not do on Sabbath. Like, it got out of hand. Listen to some of these, these, uh, these interpretations or rules around Sabbath. You couldn't travel more than 3,000 feet from your house on the Sabbath unless on Friday, Sabbath was Saturday, you had planted food 3,000 feet away. If you had put half of an olive in your mouth and you found that it was rotten and you spit it out, you couldn't put the other half in because your mouth had tasted it as a whole olive. This one's wild. If you threw an object in the air and caught it with your other hand, it was a violation of the Sabbath. That was work. But if you caught it with the same hand, it was okay. You could not take a bath on Sabbath for fear water would spill on the floor and wash the floor as it fell off of you. You certainly, and there was like 39 laws around reaping, harvesting, and sowing. And so when the Pharisees see G, or the disciples picking grain, they're going, that's work because they're reaping. And so Here's, here's the problem, <laughs> is you have this gift that God has given, this Sabbath commandment to rest, and you have all of these religious people adding to it as a way of justifying themselves. And the sad reality is, is that the Sabbath was no longer a gift to people, it was a burden, it, 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 was, it was a pain in the neck because of all these hundreds of rules that people were just worried about breaking or not breaking. An intolerable burden. And Jesus comes in and do you think his words a chapter earlier now make like even more sense when he says to them to the people come to me all who are labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest my yoke is easy and my burden is light you know what a yoke was you know what a yoke is it's the thing that you put two oxen in and and typically how it's used is is you put an experienced oxen in with an unexperienced oxen and the experienced oxen um, takes most, if not all, of the load to the inexperienced oxen. So the inexperienced oxen, the burden is light, but it learns how to function by, by being with and standing next to and walking with the stronger oxen. When Jesus says his yoke, he's, he, he's giving a metaphor like that, but it also, a yoke 
actually meant a, a sort of the set of beliefs and interpretations of a rabbi. So if you were following a rabbi, he would have a yoke. And that was that rabbi's interpretations and, and, and you would, in essence, become or strive to become like the rabbi. So when Jesus says, come to me if you're tired, are you burdened by all these rules? All these things that aren't even in the Bible. These are not the things I meant when I created Sabbath. All these things that are burdening you, all these rules that are being worked to, to justify all, these, all this religion is burdening you. And are, are you tired? Are you tired because you're never going to be able to meet all the requirements? If you're ready, let go and come to me. I can give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Meaning, come in alongside me. Walk with me. Become like me. And guess what? He's the stronger ox who will carry the burden, carry the heavy lifting as we walk with him. That's what, that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, look, this is not the law, this is, this is rabbinical law that's been added. This is not what I originally desired for my people. And he goes on and he tells this story of, of um, David who ate the bread, this like, this uh, uh, important consecrated bread and to understand that is, is you got to know the story. Um, David is running from Saul. Saul is trying to kill him. David is king of Israel, and Saul's trying to, to kill him. Or he's not yet, but Saul's not yet king of Israel. But he's, he's, he's being chased by Saul because God's called him to be the king, and Saul doesn't want him to become the king. And he's running, and his men are hungry, and they end up in the city where the tabernacle is, and they're starving, they're hungry. And they go to the priests, and they go, we need something to eat. We're, we're, we're hungry. And one of the practices um, that was done the day before Sabbath is 12 beautiful big loaves of bread. It's making me hungry just thinking about it. Were baked and they were put on a table to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And they would be replaced on, on the day before Sabbath. And then the, the bread that was replaced was taken and was eaten, but it could only be eaten by the priests. It was, it, was, it was sacred. And the, the, the idea was symbolically, yes, you have the 12 loaves, which represent the 12 tribes of Israel. But it was like, it was to represent that God is a continual source of sustenance. Like he replenishes us. And so David and his companions uh, make their way to the tabernacle. And, here, and they're hungry. And the priests are like, we don't have any food. And he's like, well, what about the consecrated bread? And they give them the consecrated bread to eat, which is a violation of the law because only the priests were supposed to be able to eat that bread. 
And Jesus says, you know, you guys, you're, you're calling the, uh, my disciples out for picking grain, but you had no problem with this story of David and his companion eating the consecrated bread. Why? Because there was something about Sabbath and the law that the Pharisees had forgotten. That any time there was a, 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 like a need, a deep physical need, like I'm starving, <laughs> I need food, otherwise I'm going to die. Like mercy always trumped sacrifice. Because you could look at that bread and go, that's, the like, that's part of the sacrifice of us being obedient to the law. And you have hungry people over here. You have people of need. And look, this could fill them and save them. But yet, you know, like, we care more about being right. We care more about the law than we do people. And, and, and God's like, no, that, that is not the way that it is supposed to be. Like, people always come first. Like, taking care of people, like, always comes first. And that's why in this case, it's like mercy triumphs sacrifice here. We need to show mercy. And the Lord said, let there be light. <laughs> we need to show mercy And so they were allowed to eat the bread. And so here Jesus brings up this story and is like, you know, you guys had no issue, you know, making an exception there, like the religious leaders, and you wouldn't speak out against King David for that moment. And yet here you are calling my disciples out, saying they broke a law that isn't even a law it's added work that, it, that, that you guys have made to burden the people. It says, going on from there, this is verse 9, he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? I mean, they're just going after him. And of course, it was not lawful to do any work, including healing people. He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to them, stretch out, said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. I chuckle because I go, You've just watched a man, like you've watched a supernatural healing. And um, you're more interested in killing the guy who performed this amazing healing because he broke the, the law. Like, he, like they were so blind to their self-righteousness that they missed out on Christ. When you, when you put this all together, um, the thing that we today need to recognize is how often, well, two things. One is how often we're just guilty of self-righteousness, of like doing things to justify ourselves, doing things to make up for our wrongs. 
working hard to be a good person or follow all the rules or do all the church stuff. And it's like, it's not that that stuff isn't good and that it's not uh, noble to live that way, but it doesn't save you. When Jesus says that he's Lord of the Sabbath, he's saying, look, following Sabbath law so that you just, you follow the rules and then you are made right in God's eye, that doesn't save you, following the rules. I'm Lord of the Sabbath, I save you. Your rule following does not save you. I save you. And how many are burdened just by trying and working hard at doing all the right things, following all the rules, and yet you fail to measure up? The gospel is good news because in the midst of us failing to measuring up to God's standards, Jesus pays the penalty of falling short. It is a free gift of grace. It is a gift. Not something you work for to earn. It's something that you and I get to choose to receive. That is what makes Christianity amazing. It is what makes Christianity different than any other world religion. Every other one is you work to attain status. Christianity is Jesus attains status and he gifts it to you before you do anything. Status as his child, as forgiven, as redeemed. And so I wanna ask how many of you are just tired of all the self-justification, the self-righteousness that you work so hard for? And I'd say, come to the feet of Jesus. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. How many of you are carrying loads that you're not supposed to carry? How many of you are, are in the yoke by yourself, just pushing and pulling as hard as you can? The invitation that Jesus has for you this morning is like, take off the backpack, take off what you're carrying. Let me pick it up and carry it. Let me get in the yoke and help you. But self righteousness, it will speak to you and say, I got it. I don't need help. Or I don't need to admit I need help. It doesn't work. That's what the Pharisees, that's what blinded them to the Messiah. Don't need him. Because I got it. I follow all the rules. Got it all. Jesus, and they miss Jesus. And I don't think Jesus wants you to miss him. He doesn't. The second thing I would say is this, this doesn't eliminate Sabbath practice. Like when Jesus says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, I don't think he's saying like, it's over. If anything, we need to adopt Sabbath maybe more than ever in the world that we live in. Because how many of us, it's not about rule following and us working really hard to be good or be churchy or religious. How many of us are burdened just by saying yes to everything while leaving little to no room for God. And what, what sort of Sabbathing practices do you need to implement in your life to create margin for God to meet your heart, the needs of your heart? 
We need a boldness in the Christian community, I think, right now, of people standing up and saying no. I'm not going to do that because everyone else is doing that. I'm not going to sign my kid up for that just because everyone else is signing up for that. I'm not going to go to that tournament because it's on Sunday. We need a boldness in the Christian community to start saying no to stuff. So we can say yes to Christ. Do you want to know a verse that haunts me? And I, I, know, I should, probably shouldn't end this because it's going to be like, oh. But when Jesus says, like, get away from you, I didn't even know you. Like at the end of time when we stand before him and you're like, I did all this stuff and I was good. And then he goes, I didn't even know you. Like get away from me. That verse haunts me. Like when, when you don't know someone, like why don't you know them? You never met them or you never spent any time with them. I don't know you. Who are you? Never met you. Never spent any time with you. I mean, I've seen your face, but I don't know you. Jesus is like the people, like, you know, who are you? I didn't know you. You didn't make any time for me. You said yes to everything else but me. I don't know you, and I'm going to force you to live in an eternity with me when you never wanted me. You didn't want me then. I'm not going to force you to want me now. I'm like, I do not want to stand before Jesus and him go, I didn't know you. And look, preaching, it ain't going to, it doesn't do it. It ain't going to get me to heaven. Doing church work, doing Bible studies, all that stuff, it ain't. I mean, unless my heart is postured to seek Jesus with all of it, to give him time, to say yes to him, to say no to other things, to stand up for what's right, to receive grace and forgiveness in my time of need. Like to pursue him, like I pursue relationships with my wife, my friends, like to, I want time with them. Like unless I'm pursuing, I want to know Jesus and I want him to know me. And I don't mean to say that to scare you, but Maybe it should, for some of us, rattle us a bit to just go, I got to change some things in my life. I got to start living different. There's this incredible invitation to follow Jesus. What a, what a gift. So I invite you now, come to him while the band comes out. We're going to sing some songs. Like, lay the burdens of life at his feet. Take off whatever you're carrying. But also reflect on what needs, what needs to stop. Just like this winter needs to stop, what needs to stop? Lord, um, I pray against shame and condemnation. But Lord, we pray for a fire that would light in our hearts. And uh, we are called to live different. It's not easy. And uh, yet I pray that we would be filled with your spirit to boldly live different. But um, we come to you, God, wearied, burdened, tired. And I just pray that this moment now would be a, a moment of rest, spiritual rest, as we sing to you. Would your spirit fill our hearts? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together.